good to see everyone here who's not out running the marathon. Perhaps you can run it next year. I'm glad you made it. I want to start this morning by showing you a picture of a roundabout. Perhaps you don't know what that looks like. Let me show you one. Have you seen this before? This is in New York. Uh, there's a statue in the middle. I actually want to show you the statue. It's Columbus. So just understand that that's the picture of uh, Columbus in the middle of this roundabout. So back to the roundabout. Now, you, you can see the purpose of a roundabout uh, in, the, in the center is to have this statue that's to get all the uh, attention, is to be the focal point where people are going to be admiring that statue and impressed by it. And why I want to show you this picture is uh, most of us, the reality is, is that um, we view our lives as that statue. Like, we are the ones for the most part, at the center. It's, it's human nature. It's, it's our heart. We want to be at the center. We want others to go around and around us and be impressed by our creativity, by how nice we are or generous we are or innovative we are. We just naturally, as human beings, have this heart default that places ourselves at the center for others to be impressed by. But here's kind of... Um, I, I, I want you to imagine this. So imagine a group of statues. That would be you. A group of statues have just showed up at church this morning, or a group of statues show up to a um, ethos committee, or a group of statues show up to uh, one of the campus groups like Crew, or um, RUF, or AIV, or GCF, or um, Kellogg Christian Fellowship. So a statue shows up, and what tends to happen if we are the center of everything and we show up into these things, then we're hoping others will give us that attention. We'll see how great we are, how innovative we are, how creative we are, or to make it all about us. And when that tends to happen, there could be some disruptions within churches, some disruptions within your campus groups, and disruptions within Christian community that if it's all about us and when people are maneuvering to to make it all about them, things can not not go so well. But since you go to Evanston Bible Fellowship and you know that we're a very God-centered community, Hopefully, that's not your problem all the time because we know that we're supposed to keep God at the center. And and mind you, not as a statue, okay? God, the living God, as it at the center. He's to be the focal point. He's to be the one we are focused on. And so we are to exist as God-centered Christians and we are to exist in God-centered communities. That's what we talk about a lot. We want to be very God-centered in all that we do. So if we still have this picture and we're not the statue in the middle at all, we want to worship our living God, then, then where do we fit? Well, I think it's appropriate, I've heard this before, I think it's very appropriate to view ourselves as the road system, the road system around the center. We are, we are simply the road system that want to give praise and glory to God and we want to enable other people, we want to connect with them to give praise and glory to God. Because at EBF, we know that many of you are coming and going. A year from now, two years from now, three or four, you will not be here anymore. But while that you are here, we don't want to take you and place you at the center, but we want to help you to connect with God and to connect with one another and give glory to God before you move on. So what we're going to do this morning is really simple. We are going to consider some ways that we can live together within God-centered community. What would it actually look like where we didn't focus on ourselves, where we focus on the Lord, and we encourage one another to connect and focus on the Lord as well? That's where we're going, and we're going to see it in the book of Romans. So let's go ahead and turn back there. We started the book of Romans last week as we're rooting ourselves deep in the gospel of God. 
At our church, we go through books of the Bible, and right now we're going through Romans, and we're going to need you to put some effort into this. If you need to take notes, if you need to be reading Romans beforehand, we're asking you to discuss it in ethos communities afterwards. But it's going to take some effort for you to study the book of Romans. It's not always going to come so easy. We've got to read and reread and ask God to open our eyes. Well, what we hit on last week is the gospel, the gospel of God. I'm going to give you a definition of the gospel that we're going to flesh out through the rest of the book. But the gospel is the good news of what God has done in Christ to rescue lost humanity from their sins and adopt them as children of God. Now, this gospel right here that we just talked about has taken root in Rome. There's a church there, several house churches, and what has happened, God has called them to himself, and God established the church through his son, Jesus Christ. In addition to that, God had also called the Apostle Paul. And it's the Apostle Paul who is now called to minister to this church as an apostle to the Gentiles. And, of course, there are many Gentiles in the Roman church. There's also Jews as well, but it's probably predominantly Gentiles. Now, Paul has never visited Rome before, and so one of the purposes in writing this gospel is to communicate his gospel to show the commonality they have in Jesus. Now, if you will notice, we are preaching verses 8 through 15 this week, and it's, um, these are introductory remarks. Now, if you go home today and someone asks you what the sermon was over, you can say it was over introductory remarks. And for those of you who are future preachers, I know that future preachers come through here, get trained here, moved on. Future preachers, take note. It's very important to preach introductory remarks. Don't pass over it. Don't throw it away. It's in the Word of God for a reason. And then what we're going to see, that it is for our encouragement. And what we have in these introductory remarks is we see the heart of a man, the Apostle Paul, who has a heart, a very God-centered heart, to minister to the believers in Rome. And I think it is a good example for us to follow. We, we don't talk about following examples too much, but here's a good example for us to follow. A lot of the things the Apostle Paul is doing to those in Rome and ministering to them is I think it's the heart that we're supposed to have toward one another in the community that's very God-centered. So this is what we're going to do. I'll just go ahead and put the, the heading up that we're going to follow today. We're going to talk about a heart that encourages God-centered community. Now, that's a very theological statement. That's kind of almost like a, a churchy statement. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to follow along with that statement. But, I, but what I really want you to get, if you are taking notes, I'm going to give you another heading that may be more to the point for you. And that heading is this. What we're going to cover are practices that unseat you at the center. We're going to look at practices that unseat you at the center. Because we talk about the heart a lot here. We believe that things flow out of your heart. These are practices that flow out of your heart, okay? But we can also talk about practices that you can do to shape your heart. So we're going to look at a heart that encourages God-centered community. But as you do some of these practices, it's going to unseat you as the center of attention and put the attention on God where it belongs. That's where we're going today. Let's jump in. Chapter 1, verse 8. Let's go. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. So obviously you can tell from this God-centered heart, the first thing that we have is Paul gives thanks for God's work in believers. He gives thanks for God's work 
and believers. It's a very God-centered and gospel-centered thankfulness. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for your faith. He thanks God through the crucified, resurrected, and exalted Jesus Christ that their faith is starting to be proclaimed in all the world. And, and you know, that's, that's hyperbole. It's a intentional overstatement that expresses the extent to which the Roman believers, their faith is starting to be known throughout the empire and other churches. Paul sees the advancement of God's mission through the Gentiles, which the Romans are a part of, and he thanks God. Paul is not viewing the Romans as a means to capitalize on his own specific self-centered agenda, but he is thankful that the Romans have been caught up in God's kingdom agenda. I'm going to say that again. Paul's not interested here in trying to promote his self-centered agenda where he's going to use the Romans as a means to promote that. He is actually thankful for what God is doing on his mission through the Gentiles, specifically the Roman faith throughout the empire. This is important for you to get. Because a lot of times, and and whether you do it uh, uh, consciously or not, we can show up to Christian community and we can think the reason why we have showed up to Christian community is that we want to leverage other Christians for our own advancement. Is there anyone who chooses where they go to church or a community they are part of with other Christians to leverage those Christians for your own advancement? It's the, it's the LinkedIn mentality, yeah? The professional connection with me here. So you can think, all right, so I'm going to be around other Christians, and they're going to help me advance where I want to go. And so maybe you'll go to a place where they can give you tips to be a better you or or you can be the one, and I don't want to be too harsh on this because maybe we've all done it, but maybe you just choose a church or a Christian group because you want to you wanna get married, <laughs> yeah? You want to meet somebody. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but what can tend to start to be the focus is you. You're at the center. You determine what you want. You show up. You're at the center around other Christians, and you want to leverage them for your advancement, Now, maybe you don't do that. Maybe that's not the case for most of you. But then the opposite may be true. Maybe you avoid community because you see no benefit. How many of you avoid being in Christian community because it doesn't get you to where you want to go? You want to finish your degree. You want to move to the next level. You want to increase your family life and make it much better. And you don't see other Christians as beneficial to that. In fact, they're just a waste of your time. You don't see how relevant they are to your advancement. And so many of you may avoid Christian community because it doesn't get you to where you want to go next. Not Paul. He's thankful. He's thankful for what God is doing in their lives. And when you start to transform your heart and your mind to where you're thankful for other believers, you are just a sinner saved by grace that's hanging out with other sinners saved by grace. There's nothing flashy, nothing exciting, nothing about leveraging others to get to the next level. You are a sinner saved by grace, showing up, gathering with other sinners saved by grace. And if you have that mindset, you will see that you are the road system around the center, and you are thankful that other Christians are on there with you. You're thankful what God is doing in your life. You want to see that one of the practices to unseat you at the center? Start being thankful for what God is doing in the life of the believers. Well, let's move on to the next one. This is what we're seeing Paul here, and he's praying. Let's put up the second one here, uh, this heart that encourages God's sense of community. It also prays consistently for the benefit of others. Now, you may be thinking, man, we, we talked about God-centered, and we're talking a lot about other people, you know? Thank God for 
is working with other people or praying for other people. I thought we're supposed to be talking about God at the center. I would make the argument that you can't pray for other people, you can't be thankful for other people unless God, in fact, is at the center. And what you're going to see in the Apostle Paul is God is very at the center. Listen to his language. Verse 9. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of the Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. So Paul keeps coming back to the gospel, centered on Christ. He's been set apart to serve with his whole being in the spirit. He wants to be transformed. He wants others transformed. So in service to this gospel of his son of Jesus Christ, in fact, God can attest that Paul routinely, habitually, continually prays for other people. He prays for the benefit of the Romans that they may prosper. And I would say there's nothing that unseats us at the center of attention than to start praying for the benefit of other people. To praying for one another's growth unseats us at the center. You see, there's a lot of reasons why we can come together in Christian community. There's a lot of things that we can be about, and they're not all bad. We can come in Christian community because we want to socialize with other believers. We want to be in a social group. And our ethos communities tend to be about a lot of socializing, and it's not all bad. If I could pick on the topics of conversation, there's probably four that people in our ethos communities in our church talk about the most. Number one would be football. And tied with number one would be a combination of eating specialty food or drinking and brewing beer for those of age. For those of age. I don't, I don't know what it is about this church. Always talking about brewing something. Third would be school. People talk about school all the time and how it's the end of the world if they don't get an A. And then fourth would be um, just kids and family. And there's nothing wrong with these conversations and socialization and this fellowship is good. But I'm kind of wondering that how supercharged our communities would be if we started praying for one another. I mean, not just when we got together. What would happen if you're consistently praying for people during the week and when you show up together, what would your community be like? I would think more supercharged, more supernatural. And so I'm going to propose something really old school. I'm going to propose an old school format, an old school uh, practice called the prayer list. I want to see a show of hands. Has anybody here ever had a prayer list? Writing down. Look at those. See? It's like it seems so simple. And and yet it unseats you at the center. When you're writing down someone else's name, you're writing down their prayer requests for them, and then they answer. That's a very God-centered practice. The prayer list seems so simple, and yet it's so powerful where we're keeping track on how we're continually praying for other people. And when we get together, wow, what happens to community? Well, Paul actually had something that he had a prayer request for. His prayer request was that he wanted to visit the community in Rome. He's the apostle to the Gentiles, and yet he's never been there. They're probably wondering what's going on, Paul. If you're the apostle to the Gentiles, why haven't you come to see us? And he says, I want to get there. That's my prayer request. In fact, he wants to get there because he wants something to happen between the two of them. And that brings us to our third emphasis. Let me put it up for you. A heart that encourages God-centered community gives and receives encouragement. You want to unseat yourself at the center? Get into giving and receiving encouragement. Look what Paul says, verse 11. For I long to see you, 
that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. What's up with that? Does he want to give them some spiritual gift that they don't previously have? Does he want to give them the gift of prophecy? Does he want to somehow show up and say, here, here's the gift of tongues? Well, as I was studying this, I was reading scholars, and particularly I was, I was interested in what one of the main charismatic scholars had to say. He said, no, it's not about that at all. And the Holy Spirit's going to take care of that. The idea is, is that Paul's going to show up, assess the situation of the church, see what they need, and he is going to impart, which means he's going to practice, he is going to use one of his spiritual gifts, and he is going to encourage them to build them up. Whatever is needed at the time, he will exercise his gift. He will impart them for the strengthening of that community. He wants to build them up in their faith. But at the same time, he says, you know, I want some of that too. I want to be a two-way street. He wants to receive some mutual encouragement because he needs his faith strengthened as well. You may think that when you see Christian leaders, whether they're pastors like myself or other leaders, that we're good. You may think that just because I get to study the Bible more than you, that I get to pray more than you because it's part of my, what I do with my life during the week in my ministry, you may think, well, you're, you're, you're good. If you begin to even understand how hard it is in my mind and my heart and my life to live the Christian faith, but, you know, if you understand how much struggle that I have, how much fighting I do, you would see that I need strengthening, encouragement from, from you just as much as you need it from me. And you may think, well, Pastor, you're just in an ethos community because you're just trying to set a good example and you're just kind of going through the motions of what you want others to do. And I say, that's a bunch of bull. You know what? I'm in an ethos community because I need that. I'm in desperate need of mutual encouragement. We both need it. Christian life's hard. We need to be built up and strengthened in our faith and we, we need one another. Let me give you this quote by this pastor. He says this. This is Larry Osborne. This is a really good quote. He says, I've never seen someone fall away because of bad theology. People fall away because of bad relationships. Now, of course, I see both. But your relationships, the people you hang with have the ability to build you up or the ability to tear you down. The people that you hang out with and people you spend your time with have the ability to encourage you in your faith or have the ability to discourage you in your faith and tear you down. I mean, this, this plays out all the time. Just, just say you, that you're a student here, and you're, and you're a student here that struggles with lust. Okay, so join the crowd, all right? You struggle with lust. The people you are around are really going to determine what your walk's going to be like. If you desire purity, integrity, and your sexual life, and your thought life, are you going to be around other people who desire the same thing and build you up and encourage you? Or are you going to be around those who say, come on, man, that's just natural impulses. Let's go. Which ones influence you this weekend? I'm not trying to slam on you and make you feel guilty, but what would you do this weekend? Probably had a lot to do with who you were hanging out with. And this is beyond the student years. Those of you who are in the business world or even the consulting world, I mean, you travel around a consultant, you're around people who say, you know what, cut corners, cash in. You cut corners, you cash in. You cut some corners, you're going to cash in. And you're around people and say, that's the mentality. That's what we do. And you're, you're around them. And you, before long, you gain the world and lose your soul. How about being around some other Christian businessmen and women and consultants who say, you know what? You don't have to cut corners. You can operate with integrity. And by God's grace, you'll still cash in. 
the people we are around matter. As we are around the road system and on the road system, giving glory to our God as the center, we need to be mutually giving and receiving encouragement constantly. Me, you, all of us. People we are around matter. Well, let's move on to the last one. Here's the last one that, that, that Paul wants to do is that he wants to devote full attention to a pervasive gospel. You want to unseat yourself at the center? Be all about the gospel. Let me show you this picture. It's part of our ethos. It's called the pervasive gospel. We have five ethos statements, and one of them is a pervasive gospel. And we have this image of whether it's sound waves or ripples through the water. The idea is that the gospel goes everywhere. It goes through us, goes into our community, and goes out to the world. And let's just see Paul describe the gospel in this way. Look at verse 13. I want you to know, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far I've been prevented, or that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. I don't get that. You want to, look at that last part. He wants to preach the gospel to you also in the room. Well, why would he want to preach the gospel to the church? I mean, aren't they already believers? Isn't that what the gospel is for? Why does he want to preach the gospel to those who are already saved? This is a great indicator of the pervasive gospel. Maybe you'll get it at this point. Let me put it this way. The gospel is not just preached to convert, but also preached to the converted. The gospel is not just seeing people get converted. It's also so that we can utilize it to preach to those who are converted. Remember last week we saw that the mission of God was to bring about the obedience of faith. That is a a terminology for making disciples. And so this preaching of the gospel to the saved, to the converted, is part of making disciples. I'm just going to have to explain this to you. So the Apostle Paul, he's going to preach the gospel to Rome, which he's going to do. He's going to show how Jews and Gentiles can get along in the church. That's because of the gospel. Through the cross, the great leveler, they've been reconciled. Let's say I'm talking to you and you have issues with shame and condemnation. I'm going to come to you and I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to say the gospel says that you are accepted in Jesus Christ. There is no condemnation in Christ through his death and resurrection. You are accepted through faith. Maybe you have issues of identity. You find your identity in whether you get good grades or how well your marriage is going. I'm going to come to you and I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to say your identity is in Jesus Christ as you are accepted by him. Or perhaps you're here and you're having marriage issues, you and your wife or husband are not getting along, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to say because of the sacrificial nature of Christ and the gospel, you can sacrificially love one another. Or perhaps you're suffering or maybe you're afraid of death. I'm going to come to you and I'm going to preach the gospel and I'll say because of Jesus' finished work on the cross, his death and resurrection, you are forgiven and you will be with God one day in glory. Are you starting to see how we need to preach the gospel to ourselves, the pervasive nature of the gospel? It's coming in and out of our communities, in and out of our mouths, to ourselves and to one another. The gospel is just not for lost people. The gospel is for us as believers as well. And yet Paul says, you know what, I also want to preach the gospel to reap some harvest. He says, I want to reap some harvest among those who don't know Jesus. And he's an apostle to the Gentiles, and so he's obligated to preach. He says he wants to preach to Greeks in verse 14. 
He wants to preach to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. The Greeks, those are simply Greek-speaking people, spoke the language and embraced the Greek culture. They were considered wise. They were considered the elite. But who are the barbarians? Last, last night, I mentioned barbarian uh, to my, uh, two of my sons, my 14-year-old and 6-year-old. And, I, and as I mentioned barbarian to them, my 14-year-old son, um, he told me that he's building a barbarian on a clash of clans. And then my 6-year-old said, are barbarians those slobbery guys? My kids are so unbiblical. I don't know, I don't know what they're talking about. So the barbarians in the Bible, whatever classic clans is, I'm not sure, but in the Bible, um, there are those who did not speak Greek. Uh, they were not considered cultured, and they were also considered foolish. They were the rejects. And Paul's like, you know what? I'm not making a judgment call here. I'm just bringing the gospel. I'll bring it to the Greeks, those who are elite. I'll bring it to those who are not elite. The, the gospel is a great leveler. I'm just going to go and preach the gospel because everybody needs to be saved. Sharing your faith with others is one of the most God-centered activities you can do. Sharing your faith with others is one of those activities that will just unseat you at the center. You ever feel that when you're sharing your faith with someone else? You're not talking about yourself unless you're talking about yourself being a sinner saved by grace. But sharing your faith with others will just get you out of the way. And that's what we are to be about, preaching the gospel to ourselves, each other, and those who don't know Jesus Christ. As a very God-centered individual, a very God-centered community, it's what we are to be about. So as you can see through these, what you could say, boring introductory remarks that we should just throw away and move on to the exciting stuff, right here we see the heart of a man who's very God-centered, very gospel-centered. And it's a heart that we're to have toward one another. We're not the center. We're the road system around the center, encouraging one another to live for the glory of God. And I, as, as I hit it, hit it often and often, is that this is what our ethos communities are about. Our ethos communities, maybe from another church, you may know small groups or community groups, they're not going to be these flashy and these so exciting places, they're going to be a group of people who are sinners saved by grace. And you're going to show up, and it's going to be very God-centered. This past Friday, I had the opportunity to speak on campus at Asian American University. Very exciting time. Students are on fire for Jesus there. Students want to grow in the Lord. They want to share their faith. They want to be about the gospel. Very encouraging time. But while I was there, I had a chance to speak one of the guys who goes to our church. And he's been part of one of our ethos communities for almost since we started them, about three years ago. And I, and I, and I knew he was involved somewhat, but he just started to tell me some other things. I was very encouraged. He told me that he meets with a guy in our church who's about 50 years old. And they meet on this one-on-one -on -one mentoring relationship where he's being discipled, where the older guy's functioning as the road system, pointing them to the gospel, and the younger guy is functioning as a road system, pointing the other guy to the gospel, and you have this mutual encouragement going on. And, and I know many of you are students, and, and I'll I tell you what, one of, the, 
my heart would be for you to be in an ethos community, not because we're competing with any of the campus groups, not at all. We want you to be part of those as well. But there are people in there that are older. They're not, not what you're going to get on campus. And they can build into you, and they can encourage you and grow you in this, this God-centered picture of life where you're going to be caught up in worshiping him. So I know you have a lot of activities. I know you're busy. You know, all of you are busy. But I think this would be a great week for one of you to check out one of these ethos communities. See what it's like. Not going to be flashy. and Bang, it's going to be sinners saved by grace. There to focus on the gospel. There to encourage one another the gospel. There to focus on the Lord and to give glory to him. Because we are not the center. We're the road system around. We're ushering others into the presence of God. And we're encouraging others to walk with him before they move on. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have called us into community with one another, not to focus on ourselves, not to leverage others for our own benefit in a self-centered way. And for those of us who are so busy, you think that it's all about our agenda right now of moving ahead, of getting ahead, of starting a family or whatever it is. Some of the things are just not bad at all. We think that this season of life, we're going to leave community out or just think that going to church is sufficient. Help my brothers and sisters to know that it's about, being, it's about knowing others and being known, about mixing it up with others in the gospel, about being encouraged and giving encouragement. And Lord, I just pray for my brothers and sisters. They would make some effort. They would start to move toward community, being alive uh, with other people where it is messy, it is hard, but your grace is so sufficient. And I just ask that this week those who have not had that step yet, made that step yet, they would take the effort to do that. And Lord, just get our hearts centered on you. May we continue to unseat ourselves at the center and give glory to you and care for others and care to see your gospel permeate. In Jesus' name.